Welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. I'm Sheena and today I'm joined by two of my favourite authors and they're both UK based which is brilliant because our topic today is 10 reasons that you should absolutely be reading UK lesfic. Apart from the fact that it's my favourite lesfic, it's absolutely brilliant and it's, oh, it's just so good. I'm Carrie Hunter. I live uh, near Manchester in the northwest of England uh, where I've worked as a paramedic for the past 15 years. I've had six books published with uh, Bolstrokes, my most recent being the Dark Peak series of sort of crime police procedural thrillers uh, that are set in the Peak District, which are the hills uh, near us where I walk quite regularly. Um, up till recently, I co-edited the uh, UK the Lesbic blog with uh, Tig, which is how we got roped into this podcast. Uh, so Tig, would you like to uh, continue? Um, yeah, oh, actually, I'm Claire Ashton, yes, <laughs> and Tig, that's <laughs> my nickname. I write lesbian romances, some are dark, some are unusual, um, but I also can't resist writing the odd rom-com as well. And uh, yeah, I edited the UK Lesbic blog for four years with Carrie, who I met via Facebook, because I'm a massive fan of her work. Oh, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> um, I, was, I, I made a note to say why we actually started the blog, um, and I can remember chatting with Tig online on Facebook, and I was getting a little bit miffed because there'd been a uh, uh, a piece in the Guardian newspaper, which is one of the broadsheets over here, um, and they had been bemoaning the lack of UK lesbian authors. There'd been some kind of award, and they'd struggled to find enough authors to actually fill the uh, fill the slots on the award. And they were wringing their hands and saying, "Where are all the UK lesbian authors?" And Tig and I are sat there thinking, "Well, we're all here, and we're all writing, and you've not done your research." So that was, it was kind of why we started the blog. It was a little bit of a snapback against that to prove that lesbians over in the UK were writing, were writing a lot and were writing well as well. Um, and in four years, we got a list together with 90 authors on it. So yeah, the next time The Guardian maybe wants to look for lesbian authors, they can use it as a resource and, uh, and find more than the usual uh, suspects. So that's how it started. Um, we have just closed it because it was, like we've just been saying, a bit of a victim of its own success, really, in that it was becoming harder and harder to keep track of the number of authors that we have listed. Um, but also, I think our work was kind of done because the aim was to create a community, and we did that. We created the community, and now the community is kind of self-sufficient and is looking after itself and doesn't really need us. So in a happy way, it was a victim of his own success, but it will stay online for a, as a resource because there's loads and loads of good stuff on it. All right, ladies, so you have put together, uh, have you, you each got five points? Roughly, yes. Yes, we have, we have a list of ten. <laughs> so we've... Together, so they have a list of ten. All right, so who's starting? Uh, I was going to go first with a couple points. Um, right, well, first... Um, as as with anything in the UK, there's a long history here. Um, and this is where lesbian fiction actually started back in the 1920s. Um, here in the UK, uh, anyone over the age of 40 probably bumped into their first lesbian heroine in um, Radcliffe Hall's Well of Loneliness. Um, it's a story of an upper-class butch in England and her infatuations growing up, and then later in France, where she's an ambulance driver in the war. Um, it was written... Um, and published because uh, the author's desire to increase awareness of lesbianism and try and make it more acceptable. And for many reasons, I think for decades, it was a very rare, poignant, treasured representation of lesbian life. And 
Also, because it's a classic novel, you could read it without any awkward questions from your friends or family. So, very valuable book. Um, however, there is a caveat. Uh, dear God, it's a depressing book. That title, The Well of Loneliness, it's not mis-selling it. But it, it is an important work nonetheless and worth reading. I read it as a teenager. Bad time to read it. That shut the door on that side of my sexuality for a good decade, I think. <laughs> oh my God, she broke the little <laughs> Very glad to find Sarah Waters some years later, I must admit. Um, oh, which uh, yeah, nicely leads us on to point number two, which is it's not just all costume dramas, but probably because of novels like The Well of Loneliness and then Sarah Waters' historical novels, you might think Brits are this stuffy conservative bunch um, st- stuck in the past and... Um, uh, in some cases, you'd be right, actually. But there's always been a, a rebellious, <laughs> liberal, open-minded section of the population. And Literary Lesbic is happily published by mainstream publishers here. It might not be as prevalent as we'd like, but it has been there for years. Uh, I mean, the big names, of course, are Sarah Waters and uh, Emma Donahue, other authors doing uh, a great variety of work as well. People that spring to mind are um, Catherine Hall, if you like your troubled characters and subtle exploration of themes, then she's a good author to go to. Her last novel was The Repercussions, where the main character is a war photographer deployed in Afghanistan. It's a, a fascinating novel on many levels, not least because of that vivid setting. And it looks at the effects of war on those beyond the direct conflict. So uh, for the literary readers who love their subtle exploration of themes, that she's a, a great author to go to. Um, Clearly, there's also the... Like you say, there's lots of stuff coming out. There's also some of your works, some of Kiki Archer's, some of um, oh, yeah. Claire Leiden. Um, you guys are, are all writing kind of in the lighter, happier, lesbian rom-com type stuff. Oh, definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about the romance authors in a sort of new wave of romance authors um, a bit later as a separate point. I mean, I was, I was just thinking of the authors as more literary authors who are published by mainstream publishers even even if they're just tiny ones but sort of the, the non-lesbic publishers it's quite unusual to have that many authors sort of like published in the mainstream who are still managing to write lesbian characters i mean we've got the likes of manda scott who uh, started off writing the kellen stewart series of detective uh, novels um openly lesbian cast and published by a mainstream uh, mainstream uh, press so we've got, we seem to have quite a good kind of um, set of, of mainstream authors who are still managing to represent uh, gay and lesbian characters and then work, which is unusual because usually when you go over to the mainstream or you are mainstream, you end up sidelining, uh, closeting your, your, your lesbians to get published. So that's a, a tick in the box for, for UK lesbic, I think. Why do you think the UK publishers are more open to the LGBT main characters as opposed to the mainstream publishers in the US, for example? I think we're, we're less conservative as a society over here. Um, I, I don't think it's perfect, certainly not. A lot of the, especially the crime authors, which we'll come to in a bit, but a lot of them have sidelined their their lesbian leads to, um, to move into the mainstream press. And you do see a little bit of a trend of that. Um, but I think sometimes that's just the way that the author has progressed in terms of their own writing. I mean, Emma Donoghue, um, she started writing uh, Stir Fry and Hood, which were very lesbian-centric uh, books, and went on to write Room, which was just massive. Um, so that you know that progression is kind of the standard progression that a lot of uh, lesbian authors take. They they move away from their lesbians. Stella Duffy's another one. There's Fiji Lee who's done um, 
which he started out, I think, probably with a more lesbian um, main characters, and, and she's increased more variety, but still likes to have her lesbian characters in there, but perhaps not as quite the main character so much. Um, she, she's actually uh, a very funny author, which adds to the variety a lot more. Rather, It's not all dour seriousness. Um, VG is um, one of those very observant, um, humorous authors, um, Know, finds very um, exquisite poignancy in sort of very mundane things such as a chocolate digestive biscuit. Um, definitely try her books if you want a little levity <laughs> in your literary books. I think in terms of society, we're less sort of uh, religious. There's, there's less of a religious angle to us as well. So we're quite secular in general. So in terms of fiction, I don't know whether that's uh, what's led to the kind of... Uh, a leap in, in tone and, and politics and sexuality in terms of what write, writers can write and what readers will uh, accept over here as well. It's interesting. Okay. Mm. Over to Carrie. Why you should read the lesbian uh, fiction set over here. It is a chance to broaden your horizons, basically. Uh, I think when a lot of people uh, think UK, they think London because, you know, London is it, isn't it? It's... it's, it's the, the, the sort of like the main hub of, of the UK people think London they think everybody lives there and they don't think anybody sort of like moves above the Watford Gap uh, but our UK authors they're scattered far and wide and they are setting their books basically where they're set where they live they're taking sort of like advantage of varied locations we've got the likes of uh, Anna Lana, Skycroft, Wendy Hudson who are setting their books up in Scotland in the Highlands um, Andrea Bramall who's writing the Norfolk Coast um, series of thrillers uh, I set mine mostly in the Peak District so they're all sort of like northern in tone, northern in setting uh, you've got Claire who wrote Poppy Jenkins uh, in Mid Wales um, I Beecham, Cotswolds uh, RJ Samuel who's hopped over to Sunny Island for hers and that's just to name sort of like a few off the top of our heads I mean from a personal point of view it's lovely to hear from readers who have read the Dark Peak series or Snowbound and have gone online and looked up the Peak District and looked up photos and have added it to their bucket list. Um, and I think that creating that sense of place is vital because it, it makes your book individual, basically. It gives your book a hook. It's something that I do when I'm reading. If I read, you know, something set in mountains that are glorious mountains, I want to go there. So to have readers tell me that I've had that effect on them is um, that's something, you know, it's something special because that place is your home and it's close to your heart. So I think, yeah, I think you just widen the perspectives a little bit and, and stepping outside of London and the red buses and Buckingham Palace and the kind of, not the cliches, but the things that everybody thinks of, you know, because you watch the, the British films and they they generally are sat around around the, around the capital. So, um, yeah, being able to sort of like describe things that you're really familiar with, being able to describe routes that I've walked with my wife, it's easy to bring those locations to life and I think it's, you know, it, it really gives your book a lot more impact to be able to say, I've been here, I know this well, I can describe it as easily as I can take a breath sort of thing. So, um, yeah, you can put the reader really in the middle of it and it, it just, it works so well and, and it's good to see British authors who are taking advantage of the places that they live because it's a beautiful country and there's lots of it. You know, it's a small country, but it's lovely, and there's there's plenty of varied sceneries from mountains, hills, beaches. From a reader's perspective, I really enjoy when you guys also add the the funny little cultural differences that we have. For example, you call things biscuits that we call biscuits or cookies. So we for us, it's interchangeable. 
right? For the for the Americans, it's cookies, and for you guys, it's biscuits, right? So so I love that that sort of. And you also in your in your first dark peak book talk about fish and I think it was curry sauce. Oh yeah, yeah. My wife hates me for that. It's dreadful <laughs> stuff. Yes, a real abomination. It is. It's a specific. It's a specific chip shop flavor as well. It is no curry that anybody who actually it's it's stuff that's been scraped off the floor. I think it's it's just that you can get chip shop curry flavored crisps over here. They're equally it vile. Is that distinctive flavor. <laughs> they are disgusting, but fun. But yeah, it's um, yeah my my food tastes do sneak into my books a lot. But again, that's that's skipping ahead on our list. Oh, I'm just reading your whole list here. <laughs> you should have written the list with us, Sheena. I just, I'm sitting back and enjoying this. How about that? <laughs> right, take. Point number four uh, is romance. Yes, so uh, even though literary lesbic is quite re- well represented and published in the UK, um, Formula Romance was very much dominated by um, American authors a few years ago. Um, and by the way, there aren't any lesbic publishers here at all. I, I don't still... Don't think there are any. Well, the Bold Strokes uh, think... have got a UK branch, don't they? Um, they've got a UK. It's not a publishing branch, though. It's more of a kind of events and um, yeah, more of an events kind of an pub, uh, publication. What do you call it? Advertising kind of branch rather than a publishing branch. They don't publish anything over here. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, and, and I think a few years ago they didn't have that many UK authors. Carrie was um, one of us on for, um, and, and actually Carrie, we we decided that actually Carrie Snowband was one of the first um, um, big sellers that was sort of unapologetically British in its setting and tone. I think Carrie will talk more about this later. And um, um, I think this situation did change quite rapidly with self-publishing because there was an influx of sort of fresh new authors like like Kiki Archer, Claire Lydon. Jade Winters, H.P. Munro, and maybe maybe because of their success and carries, publishers like Bolstrog have, have signed up more, like um, Jenny Frame and Amy Dunn. Ilva have seem to have loads of British authors now. Um, Wendy Hudson, Andrea Bramall, um, uh, L.T. Smith. Um, if, and if you, actually, if you just look at the UK lesbic author list, there are, there are loads of romance authors now, and it's a very healthy part of the market now. It's, um, this ties up with point number five, which is our humour. Um, I think what marked out this wave of new authors um, was the British humour. Brits really just can't take themselves seriously for too long. Uh, Even in the most dire situations, someone will say something self-deprecating, witty or just just rude, I think. And I think at the time, many of the American romances were quite angsty in general. I mean, uh, some of my favourite authors are the humorous ones, but I think a few years back it, it was quite angsty, serious romances. And then this, this wave of rom-coms and chick coming out of the UK, I, I think was a breath of fresh air for a lot of readers. Um, and Carrie mentioned this a bit earlier, I think particularly the ones same British humour as um, the Richard Curtis films or Imagine Me and You, sort of witty, a little, a little bit daft, people bugger up and say bollocks a lot. And it's all wrapped up in a sweet romance. Um, Claire Lyde and H.P. Munro, I think, particularly have that witty style wrapped up. Um, and we, we, we like farce and we're, we're really very smutty. I think Americans perhaps expect us to be quite uptight and polite. It, it is all a facade and the, po- the posh accent. Uh, we really like rude jokes. It's, um, you know, it's especially boob jokes, some authors mentioning no names. Um, 
some some readers might get a bit sniffy about all this fast and smut, um, but I really challenge anyone to listen to, say, uh, Kiki Archer reading one of her scenes without breaking into a really good chuckle, even a guffaw. I think I think as as a nation we're we're probably less less likely to err on the side of super sickly as well. I think we've got too much cynicism um, to sort of like go for the pure kind of hearts and flowers chocolate you know kind of romances so when you get to that point we just get this kind of self-conscious urge to make somebody fall over or do something stupid to just break that up a little bit or at least punch someone on the arm I think yeah basically I think we just get so far and then we have to step back and just have a bit of a giggle about it well I do anyway I mean I fail entirely at writing serious kind of look deep into my eyes wine and chocolate romances I think sex is kind of inherently funny and ridiculous at times and I I can't really write a serious sex scene without, yeah, without something daft happening. Um, I do enjoy kind of subverting the typical perfect orgasm in front of a roaring log fire kind of um, Oh, same here, but I've had to edit scenes to make them a little bit more palatable for the market so nothing really daft happens. (laughs) See, I don't because I don't, I don't write typical romances at all, so my sex scenes can be untypical as well, or atypical, should I say? So yeah, that, I get away with I get away with being a bit dafter, I think, in my uh, in my sex scenes. If I even squeeze one in um, into the the mayhem and the bullets and the the running for the lives. So, so shall I move on to number six, which is my favourite topping, uh, uh, my favourite topping overall, which is swearing, <laughs> because um, yeah, you can read uh, British lesbic and you can expand your vocabulary you know to the nth degree in terms of swearing it's one thing we love it's something that we're very very good at and very very creative at i mean americans they just have like one use for for pissed don't they pissed just means kind of fed up annoyed angry and uh, we we've got endless uses for that you uh, for that word to the point where my editor actually has to kind of take it out of my books because it gets too confusing for american readers but I think uh, in terms of swearing and colloquialisms and dialect in general, it makes the British lesbic so much fun because, you know, you, you sort of you can hear the difference between Tig and my accents. And in terms of regional specificity, you know, the language is, is so different depending on which part of the UK you're actually in. And I think writing Snowbound, it made it clear that you could write in dialect, you could write in your own language and not only have it read, but for it to be enjoyed as well, because it was different. I didn't, you know, you, there's no compromise. You didn't, I didn't have to Americanize it. When I, um, I went to the, 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 the Bolstrokes event in Nottingham before Snowbound was published. So I was like this brand new, shiny, green, um, author and I can remember writing, uh, speaking to another one of the authors who basically was chatting and, and I explained that my book was set in British and it was really really northern and I was a bit worried as to what they would do with it when it came to editing it and um, the author said they'll change it all, they'll, they'll um, Americanise it, um, you'll lose everything and they'll set it over in America and I think... That would have been a hell of a job Well that was my reaction basically, I, I just basically looked at her and went well good luck with that because the book would have been entirely ruined. It would have been, I mean, there wouldn't have been anything left of it because it was, it was all English. You know, it was, it was all English. It was all set over here. The language is all English. It was written entirely in Northern Brit. 
And when it came to editing, my editor just sent me a note and said, we're going to edit this in English, English, and that was it. Nothing was changed. And I think, A, it was an incredibly ballsy move um, from ball strokes, but B, it helped. It helped sell it because it wasn't a typical um, kind of, you know, by the numbers romance of which there were hundreds already flooding the market. It just, you know, it, it set it out a little bit. It set it... It set it apart a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of swearing and in terms of language, I'm quite proud of myself that I think I have expanded the vocabulary of uh, American friends who will regularly call me a git or a numpty or a pillock or a, a knob. And basically, I think my work here is done. Um, you know, everybody seems to be fluent now in, in British swearing. And, and I think it's lovely to have so many authors now unafraid to sort of like write in their own language in their own style in their own dialect which brings us on to point number seven which is foodstuffs because um as well as language we can explore a variety of different and exciting foodstuffs in our books and my god do i love to do that um uh, yeah i mean we've already mentioned the biscuits and the cookies debate um it's a great way to engage readers you chuck in your local stuff, you know, you, you cause a little bit of a little bit of a, a buzz about it. You know, what the hell is this? They go on online, they can ask you about it, you can chat about it. I think I started a thread on Facebook um, during the editing of my last book about biscuits that ran to hundreds of comments and people were just happy to sit and chat about their regional favourites, their national favourites. You know, it's it's a great way to get people chatting. It's a great way to engage people at the uh, at the basic level. Um, I mean, I used it to to publicise Snowbound. I I put a menu up, a Snowbound menu up on my blog with all the foodstuffs explained. You know, I told people what fish and chips were. I told people what Haribo was, you know, the sweets. Um, I mean, emergency service types, we eat sweets all the time. You rarely see an ambulance without a bag of Haribo propped on its dashboard. Um, And I have been blamed for food cravings and weight gain and, and goodness knows what through my novels. So... Um, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, I know Wendy Hudson has, has put Tunnock's wafers and, and the little tea cakes in her books and, you know, everybody's kind of doing it in their own specific, regionally specific way. Um, but it's the same, it's the same as me reading, um, a J.M. Redmond book. I have to look at what a po'boy was cause I didn't know. So, you know, everybody's doing the Googling and making themselves hungry basically while they're reading each other's stuff, which is great. <laughs> but yeah it's like I say it's a really good way to engage interest and make your th- make your stuff a little bit different um and obviously everybody loves chatting food so it's true it is a universal <laughs> language and basically yeah it is the universal language I mean you know you say over here to somebody how do you pronounce scone and that person will argue with you for the next half an hour it is scone <laughs> It is a scone. What is wrong with you? See, I'm a scone. My wife is a scone. It's, See, I think scone know. sounds really like you're trying to be posh or something. So that's really weird. See, yeah, so this this is a debate that has no regional. It has no regional split because you can hear from my voice that I'm not posh, and yet I say scone, and yet Tig, who is posh, obviously says scone. So it's not there's, There is no. There is no common sense to it. But you'll always get an argument about it. It's Absolutely. like asking people what they call a balm cake. You know, you don't want to go there, do you? Not <laughs> no. unless you've got an hour or two to waste. <laughs> okay. 
So what's your next point? Um, so we're back over to me. Um, it's Many of the UK authors are very active on book and you can uh, get in touch. Everybody uh, likes answering questions. And authors love talking about their books. So, I mean, nobody should ever hesitate to ask an author about their books because they'll witter on for hours because they love it. We also do gigs. So there's a good chance you can come and say hello to us in person. Here there's Elfest where there's authors, bands. Um, it's a great big festival. Bold Strokes have their Nottingham do. Diva, the magazine's actually, this is very exciting, they're starting a, a new literary festival. First one this year in November. November, which both Carrie and I are at, and lots of other authors. Polari is the gay salon um, by Paul Burston. Got a gay, gay the words reading, pride festivals, the Lesbos retreat. Blimey, we're actually everywhere. You've probably met us all already. It's, <laughs> there's a load of events. And, and of course, uh, UK authors do pop out to America sometimes for the GCLS uh, conference and Women's Week as well. Right. Point number nine, we were um, discussing uh, crime and how a lot of um, authors, UK lesbic authors, started in that genre and then moved into uh, mainstream, the likes of uh, Amanda Scott, Val McDermott, who's one of our biggest crime authors over here, um, and Mary Hannah. But we were also discussing how crime, the genre, kind of lends itself to um, discussion of perhaps themes that are uniquely uh, British in terms of uh, politics and social commentary. Um, it, it doesn't really crop up in, in romance. You know, you, you kind of funny knock about romances don't tend to discuss Brexit and uh, austerity and things that are, are kind of unique to the UK perspective and things that might, you know, might interest a, a wider audience um, who are sick of perhaps hearing about Donald Trump. Come over here read our crime fiction and realise that we're all up in the shitter as well, basically. Um, and I think it's it's crime, you know, the, there's more basically to, to UK lesbic than uh, the costume drama cliches and the queen mum sipping tea with her pinky up. So crime shows a sort of darker side to the UK. You know, it tends to be urban based. It tends to uh, roll around in the gutter a little bit. Um, it, you know, it will it will speak about things that are concerning authors at the moment. You know, the the Brexit, the bedroom tax, austerity, the NHS, immigration, our national identity, and things like that. So, in terms of sort of like offering a, a modern perspective, crime is is really the uh, the place to go. I think it's it's somewhere that a lesbian detective has also had some success. I mean, Val McDermott. We were we were kind of looking up her books the other day um, to see how she progressed she started writing um or a lindsay garden kind of series where her characters are out and lesbian um and then moved very successfully into mainstream where she's not writing lesbian leads anymore she did write the one wasn't it the trick of the dark but um the she did get people saying she's pushing the gay agenda whatever they thought that was so so she has has tried and, and enjoyed that one i hope she hope she risks it again yeah i mean mary, mary hannah does write a lesbian lead um i think she's a little bit closeted but you kind of it, it's a difficult one it's a difficult one to balance because like I was saying before, if you're kind of going into the mainstream sometimes, there is, uh, especially in genre fiction, there is a compromise that you have to make. Do you want to be successful or do you want to sort of like keep true to your, your lesbian roots? I mean, personally, I've, I've, I've stuck with my lesbian roots and, and never try to sort of like write a, a mainstream crime um, because I don't, want to, I don't want to lose my lesbian leads and I think I would have to do that if I was stepping out of, uh, stepping out of sort of like bold strokes and, and trying to publish wider. 
but yeah, crime crime is definitely a, a a good place to go if you want to sort of like see the, the slightly seedier side maybe of the UK. Um, that's not all hearts and flowers and and red buses and uh, Buckingham Palace and tripping over doorsteps into the arms of some kooky young thing wearing a summer dress. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting. It's a different kind of. It's the light and the dark aspects. Um, you you go for your romances on the one side, and you go for you. We've got good crime thrillers on the other side. If you want to see the the slightly uh, grimmer aspects of of the country, which might not be a recommendation, but it's interesting. So you know, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it is a good sort of like balancing act. You know, it's not all it's not all uh, it's not all sweetness and light over here. We have our issues too. So, but there are good writers writing in the genre. Um, there's uh, Andrea Bramall, Veronica Fearon, Jade Winters. Uh, I, I, I sort of kick around in crime a lot as well. Um, brings us on to number 10, I think, Miss Tick. Yes, our, our final point, a simple one. Keep reading it and the authors will keep writing it. Um, basic supply and demand. Uh, actually, I thought we'd probably keep writing it anyway, but um, please buy it. But yeah, it's, it is a simple thing. You know, if we get the encouragement, if we get... It's obvious from from the way that the blog has has expanded that the more people who buy it, the more popular the the genre as a whole becomes. Then you know the more confidence people will have in writing it, and we won't see this homogenization and Americanization of of our fiction. It will be British written, British specific. You know the language will be there, the kooky kind of traits and quirks that we have will be there. Um, it's obviously something that's enjoyed so yeah good on you all for for buying it and supporting it and and for for wanting something a little bit different thank you it is appreciated i believe that uh lesbian main characters can and will be crossing over into mainstream i think we just need to keep pushing it i really do i don't see a reason why not uh and this is why i think it's so important to have incidental lesbians um as main characters so it's not just romances that we're known for you know you can have lesbians just doing their job and being lesbians without it being all about their sexuality which is something i did i did kind of try and do in the dark peak they were you know they're lesbians but it's it's not it's not the main issue the story and the crime and the investigation is the main issue the fact that Meg and Sanna are gay is just another aspect of their personality it's not the be all and end all of them which um yeah i think i think if we continue to write in that vein then yes we might you know i know straight readers have enjoyed those books um it's just getting the word out there and getting them in shops and getting them sold wider um and finding that sort of audience who are brave enough to pick up you know a book with two women sort of like mentioned in the blurb and read it for what it is rather than um shying away from the fact that oh my god it might have a gay agenda i mean you know what the hell is that anyway? Well, I was just going to say, I'd love to know what this magic gay agenda is that we're supposed to all have. Because I'm failing miserably at whatever it is, I'm sure. <laughs> I I have not, you know, converted a single person. I feel really sad about myself. You are failing. Failing in your gay agenda, Sheena. <laughs> You're rubbish. Oh, no. All right, ladies, so where can people find you and your books and what should they buy first of yours? Uh, they can find me on Facebook quite easily. That's um, where I like to play 
if you search for Carrie Hunter, I'm the one who is standing looking uh, at a mountain in the clouds, I think. I think it's Carrie Hunter 9 or something. Yeah, I have a, a blog on WordPress um, where I will put all of my new release information and um, I do do sort of like ambulancy related blogs every now and again. and Which are really good and you guys should read them. Yeah, the, the, actually one of the most popular blogs I did was the, the sort of like the night in the life of a paramedic. Um, out of all my um, all my posts on there, that's the one that's got the most hits, ironically. And the address for that is carryhunter.wordpress.com. So that's a nice, easy one. Um, I'm always knocking around on Facebook. Um, and in terms of books, which one would you read first? I think I would I would go with the Dark Peak books because they're my favourite and I think they're the best things that I've written um, and I think they give a good idea of where I am at the moment as an author I think much as I love Snowbound um, I've come a long way since Snowbound it's a fun sweet romance um, but yeah you can you can see a lot more of me I think in the in the Dark Peak books so the first one there is No Good Reason and then there's Cold to the Touch and A Quiet Death is the third one and I'm currently working on a standalone first person kind of thriller, kind of mystery. And there is a really kind of spiky relationship in there as well, which has been brilliant to write because it's the first time I've ever done anything like it. I've never written in first person before and I've never written that kind of most antagonistic relationship between the two leads um, so yeah, I'm about 70,000 words into it, so I am creeping up towards the end, um, and hopefully Bowlstrokes will pick it up when it's finished. I look forward to that one. All right, Claire? Um, where can you find me? Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm, I go under my nickname on Facebook for um, uh, just random reasons. It wasn't a good good planning from a marketing perspective, but yes, my name is Tig Ashton on Facebook. Um, I'm on WordPress as well. Uh, my blog's on there. In terms of books, uh, mine mine are quite varied, so it depends what kind of books you like. My first book, Penance, uh, people describe more as a literary type book. Uh, After Mrs. Hamilton, that's the one if you really want a romance with a difference. Go in open-minded, please. And if you do want that cosy romance, uh, please read Poppy Jenkins. That's my probably my favourite because it's set where I grew up in Wales. Full of love and happiness, tiny bit of angst, but that's my favourite. Okay, that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and <laughs> is there anything else you want to add about, about UK fiction, ladies? Yeah, enjoy, hopefully. Pick it up and enjoy. And let the authors know that you've enjoyed it as well, because nothing makes an author write faster than feedback. Oh, that's an excellent um, tip. I will send you an email every day. Carrie, I like <laughs> But yeah, I do. If you send me feedback, I will respond. I, that is one thing I always do. So. Fantastic. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. I'm Sheena. This has been the Lesbian Review Podcast. You can find our group on Facebook where you can come talk to all the hosts of the various podcasts. This is called the Lesbian Talk Show Podcast Chat Group. At least I think it's that. Good God, I really need to name things more simply. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. is just like looking going, I have no idea what a bomb cake is. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that one. <laughs>
Unless you're in South oh, Africa, just, then you haven't met anybody ever. Oh, it's very sad. I have to go some wings, Sheena, and come and see us. <laughs> <laughs> then we can Carrie can buy her special kitty food. <laughs> the cat that I've dragged in from the garden and shut upstairs so she doesn't beg for the special kitty food while we're recording. <laughs>